Hi, this is Sports Council. I'm Vivek. I'm Matthew, and here we are back again. Um, we've got a lot to cover, obviously. It's been like two weeks, I think, but it's yeah. been a little bit longer between us, right? So mm-hmm. um, we've got a lot of topics for you right now. Right. Um, and I believe that the first topic we should be talking about is the Niners, especially since the season has just ended. Yeah, so let's just go right into it. Week 17, it was pretty crazy for the Niners. Um, well, at least it's more of the same, really. The Niners lost 48-32 against the Los Angeles Rams. No one really expected them to win. I didn't expect them to win. Very heavy underdogs, but honestly, I thought the team showed a lot more fight than they usually do. Um, right. I mean, putting up 30-plus points against a team like the Rams, especially being in the position that the Niners have basically been in all season relative to their standings compared to the Rams, is quite a good showing, especially seeing that you know, Mullins struggled early in the half, and then he showed some drives later on. And he showed a lot of promise for being a good backup QB. Yeah, exactly. And they could have rolled over at any time they wanted to. Like, in the last game against the Rams, CJ Beathard, um, they were basically blown out. Right. Um, just really early on, and they never recovered. But, you know, Nick, I think that's a difference between Mullins and Beathard right now. Mm-hmm. Is that Mullins still has the ability to go out there and still produce some actually efficient drives and productive drives. And... It showed. We, I think he scored, even though he had three interceptions early on. Right, before um, the first half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it was like, I think all, almost all of them were in the first quarter, almost. Like, but he was able to still rebound, and he scored, um, tossed three touchdowns right after that. So it's really a testament to what Nick Mullins is able to do. Right, and I think the thing that impresses me a lot about Nick Mullins is the fact that he shows a lot of poise from being in the pocket, making good throws, you know, having good vision. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to Shanahan and his playbook as well. Yeah. Because, boy, he gets a lot of people open out in the field. Exactly. I think, really, Shanahan, he is an offensive genius right now. And the thing is, he just needs someone to actually just execute the playbook that he has. The playbook is going to do everything for him. The offensive play calling and the scheme is going to do everything for the quarterback. The quarterback just needs to be able to make the throws. Right. I don't think we just saw C.J. Beathard be able to make those throws. He's uncertain, or he just wants to stay in the pocket, or just get hit for some reason, like a pinata out there. <laughs> but Nick Mullins, he is accurate, he is decisive, he makes the throws. He may not be able to make all the throws, but he's able to do whatever he can, and he can execute the play calling to success. And I think that's really a testament to what you want out of a backup quarterback. And I think that Nick Mullins deserves a shot at being the backup quarterback behind Jimmy Garoppolo next season. Definitely, and I think one question that we saw throughout the Niners all season is the fact that, you know, from having Jimmy G go down so early in the season to them showing a lot of culture and resilience and poise from where they're initially going to be at, I think it shows a lot of testament to the culture that they're building with Shanahan and in management and everything. And I think that really begs the question, what does this team need for next season? And how can the draft alleviate those concerns, especially since the fact that the Niners, I believe, have a second overall pick? Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think a major issue right now regarding the Niners is that they still have a lack of talent overall mm-hmm. because, you know, they were basically at expansion level kind of um, talent when Trent Baalke left the team or, you know, was more removed from the team <laughs> um, because um, they were so deficient in talent. They were 2-14. and 14. They had one of the... Worst, historically worst run defenses in the NFL. They had no answers at quarterback, barely any answers anywhere else, and they just needed a talent infusion. And it's a testament to John Lynch, really, that he's been able to get so far already um, and be able to produce a lot of like 
kind of developmental talent you already see and some mm-hmm. pro level talent already like Richard Sherman, DeForest Buckner, you got Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm. Um, he was able to get a franchise quarterback within six months, I guess, of him being the general manager. And that's really a testament to what he's been able to do. But mm-hmm. at the same time, we still need more of that talent infusion in order to be contenders. I think one of the biggest things that the Niners really need right now is an edge rusher. Right. Um, the three biggest positions in the NFL right now, in my opinion, are quarterback, left tackle, and your edge rusher. Mm-hmm. And we've got Joe Staley. He's always been a beast. He's always been there. He's solid as a rock. Jimmy Garoppolo will be expected to return as the quarterback and should be able to command the Niners' uh, offense right now. Yeah. But we have no real answer at edge rusher. And you need that because the edge rusher, he creates the pressure in order to force interceptions in which the Niners are right now the historically worst turnover differential in the league. They've literally caused, like... I don't know how many turnovers, but it's like it's so minimal. And they have one of the best quarter cornerbacks in the game in Richard Sherman on one side of the field locking it down, but they still aren't able to generate any pressure. And that usually pressure results in these turnovers. Mm-hmm. So basically you need that. You need to create more sacks. You need to allow DeForest Buckner to be able to not be double teamed at all times and have a little bit more of a presence there and create more pressure for the quarterback. Yeah. And Create and eventually that's going to help the defense overall as a whole. So, I think right now the number one priority should be finding an edge rusher. If I was um, John Lynch right now, it doesn't have to be in the draft, but there are some very talented prospects out there Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, mm-hmm. Brian Burns, you know, there's all those guys. And then you have some guys out in free agency. You have Brandon Graham from the Philadelphia Eagles. You have Jadavian Clowney from the Houston Texans. It's very unlikely that they may hit the market, but you can see that John Lynch should be very aggressive in being able to attack you know, that very key problem. Mm-hmm. And what do you say that the Niners itself can be considered as a free agent destination this upcoming offseason? I think they have a lot of potential. I think teams know that and players know that. They know that this is kind of like a wasted season with Jimmy G gone. Mm-hmm. So they aren't going to look at the record as much. But they're going to see kind of the team culture that you've said before. Shanahan's been able to create this cohesive kind of team culture that's coming in day in, day out. with a healthy mindset. They want to compete. They want to win games. And no matter what the circumstances are, mm-hmm. they're not tanking for draft picks out there. They're just trying to go and do their job. And I think that they're going to see that they're going to be drawn to the offensive mind of Shanahan. At least offensive free agents are concerned. Mm-hmm. And the defensive free agents are going to say, okay, well... You know, all Shanahan needs, that um, that scheme is already going to help our offense immensely. So they just need talent on the defensive end, and we're going to be contenders. So if I just come in there and I just do my job out there, then I can just really, I could be the one that elevates this team to the next level. And I think that, you know, honestly, California is a pretty nice place compared to some of the teams out there. And I'm not going to burn anybody in particular <coughs> for that, because, uh, you know, you are what you are. Your location is where you are. But San Francisco is a pretty nice place to play like. Right, and it's definitely that's the culture behind it, and the history, and the potential for the future. Yeah. And I believe that Richard Sherman was even saying that he would do his best to recruit Earl Thomas of all people. Oh, that would be interesting for sure because um, I know the Niners have that youth movement going on. Right, Lynch. There's a starter right now at free safety, Adrian Colbert. He yeah. has a seventh round pick that Lynch picked himself, and he he showed flashes out there. Not so much this season, but last season he was really good. Um, he got injured early on this season. But he wasn't playing that well anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, 
you know, I would hate to have that youth movement kind of stunted if Earl Thomas came in here, but at the same time, that guy was the motor behind the Legion of Boom. Him and Sherman, you get the two key pieces to the Legion of Boom, albeit a little bit older, but right. I think they would be a great veteran presence. I would not hate to have Earl Thomas here, yeah. I guess. That's what I would Especially say. being as a mentor to Thomas and uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, all the other guys. and He could develop the locker room like defense, too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah all being said the Niners they definitely had a wasted season it was really unfortunate what happened to Jimmy G yeah but definitely like looking forward they definitely have a really good playoff shot they have all the talent they have all the pieces they have the culture they have the management available to them and definitely yeah in the future the Niners have a very bright way ahead of them yeah and, and I think looking forward yeah. into this playoffs right looking at the teams that are available what teams kind of stand out to you and make you think or reconsider what their future might be now and in the future for the playoff teams currently currently yeah um in the immediate future you know i think there's only a couple of contenders out there Mm -hmm. um you know honestly in my opinion none of them have really like impressed me the entire season um usually you see that one dominant team out there who's just completely crushing opponents and are they sweep the season or whatever yeah with their success and then you know you, their odds on Super Bowl favorites you know I I've been watching football for a long time I'm not gonna say that I'm an expert in anything mm-hmm. but I haven't gotten that feel yet from any team you know the Saints kind of you know they scared me kind of mid-season and I was like oh wow these guys can be really good yeah and they still are good but sort of later on into the season they haven't been looking as good as they have before and I'm a little bit concerned about that mm-hmm. you know LA is another one both of them the Rams they started the season undefeated right and then yeah. they sort of kind of lost their luster um, in the past couple of weeks they lost to the Eagles and the Bears and the Saints this is all playoff teams in their conference and again that's worrisome mm-hmm. and then you've got a couple of injuries there too Gurley is a little bit hobbled and Cooper Cup's out yeah. so it's a little bit concerning there. Um, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, they haven't been able to consistently have a complete game where they don't like turn it over, they shoot themselves in the foot, and I'm a little bit concerned about that, really. Especially when they're facing off in the first round against the team that they just lost to. So that's really concerning for me. So right now, I just don't see a viable like odds-on favorite contender, and I don't have a favorite right now. Mm-hmm. I'm leaning towards the Saints, though. I'm leaning towards the Saints, but we will see how the playoffs go. It should be fun. There's a lot of good teams out there. Mm-hmm. And looking at historical favorites, at least those in the past, I know one popular pick is the Patriots. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've definitely had some struggles this season. <laughs> you know, well, what do you think about their playoff odds and where they've really been at this year? Well, um, you know, it's hard to discount Tom Brady. It's hard to count out Tom Brady with Brad right. Belichick in the playoffs what they've been doing this for like two decades now it's just crazy um i'm sure boston fans are very excited as they always are because the teams are very successful mm-hmm. but you know something about this patriots team and i know sports people say it a lot sports analysts always say is this the end of the dynasty for new england and it's hard to believe them when they keep winning right and they're the second seed in the playoffs now but let me tell you something i just don't fear the Patriots as I used to mm-hmm. and maybe it's because I've seen their regular season and I've seen the outcome the first thing is that they are not a good road team at all mm-hmm. they're undefeated at Foxborough um, at Gillette Stadium right? right but 
they have struggled immensely when it comes to the road games. They lost in that last um, miracle in Miami, right? Um, they had no business of losing. And yes, it was a fluke kind of play, but the fact that you got it so close in the first place, that's not good at all. They barely beat the Bears off of a Hail Mary from Kevin White that just reached one yard short. Otherwise, Chicago would be claiming victory right there. Um, what? They lost to the Lions in Detroit, which is just weird. They're just Lions are mediocre. They shouldn't have lost that game. Lost to Jacksonville. Um, yeah, yeah, how do you really explain I that? I can't. <laughs> That's just not good. And they lost to Tennessee, which is just... It's not good at all because, first of all, a lot of these coaches are ex-Belichick coaches. So maybe they understand him better. But the thing is that these teams have no business of beating the Patriots if the Patriots expect to be Super Bowl champions. These are bad teams, not even in the playoffs, and they still manage to kick the Patriots' ass. And that's just really worrisome because you don't have the first seed. You don't have home field advantage. You're going to be going to Atlanta if you want to go to the Super Bowl. You're not staying in New England. You might have to go to Kansas City and face off against the likely MVP in Patrick Mahomes right. and expect to win. That's pretty... Hard. That's a pretty hard thing to do, especially with how dynamic the Chiefs' offense has been. Exactly, yeah. and the Patriots' defense has not been looking great either. Their front seven, they failed to actually get the sacks, and that's why you need an edge presence, right? Right. Like I said with San Francisco, they need an edge presence. New England doesn't have that star pass rusher, right? Mm-hmm. They have a couple of guys. They, Trey Flowers is a good uh, pass rusher in particular, but he's not that dynamic guy. That one guy you have to double team and double cover. And basically, they're going to have a hard time being able to generate sex. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. They yeah. lost Matt Patricia, too. So they don't have that same experience on defense. Uh, Brian Flores, I think, is the defensive coordinator there. He's a first-time coordinator. And it might be hard for him to go and game plan against a Patrick Mahomes. He just doesn't have that kind of experience yet. And the other thing is that the red zone efficiency right now. Tom Brady, right now, as a professional, he's having the worst year he's had in four years, I think. Mm-hmm. in season sets in particular and a lot of it has to do with him not being able to um, evade the blitz as much he's seen ghosts out there and right. it's a typical Brady thing that has been his kryptonite I think for years now but it's even worse now because he's seen ghosts out there mm-hmm. exactly he keeps throwing it away he's under pressure a lot more and he feels the need he has to throw it away more right because when you're older those hits that they get and those sacks you start to hurt a lot more yeah it's gonna linger it's gonna hurt for days and exactly that and it hurts their red zone efficiency too they're one of the worst teams in converting um points in, yeah like field goals into touchdowns they need to get more touchdowns mm-hmm. and it might be because Brady is seeing ghosts out there and they're going to bring the blitz if they think that um, the Patriots have a viable chance of scoring they're just going to bring the blitz Brady's just going to collapse on himself right there right. and basically all these things are culminating and the fact is that the talent core is also aging right now mm-hmm. they're older Tom Brady's what 42, 41 yeah. right? um, Julian Edelman 33 I think Robert Gronka- Rob Gronkowski he's just his body has been deteriorating like exponentially. Right so now. many injuries over his career, and yeah. it's kind of starting to show on the field too. Yeah, his prime. It's like the hulkish figure that you've seen, known as Gronk. He's just become a shell of himself. Honestly, it's kind of hard to just imagine. And right. he's not 
an old guy. I think he's around like 29, 30. It's yeah. not like he's super old out there, but you just see that he's kind of just a shell of himself out there. He's been banged up on the field a lot. Yeah, and he's been injured again all season long. He's missed a lot of games. Julian Edelman, again, like I said, 33 years old, he's leading the league in drops. Did you know that? I did not know that. <laughs> it's crazy right now. And they don't have a lot of other playmakers other than them, right? Josh Gordon's been suspended indefinitely for the year, and he was right. supposed to be their solution as a playmaking wide receiver. They lost Danny Amendola to mm-hmm. the Dolphins, and now they just have what? Chris Hogan, I guess? And, you know, you could have a lot worse options, but I wouldn't say that I want Chris Hogan to be my number two wide receiver for a Super Bowl winning team. Right. I just don't believe that is going to be a Super Bowl winning team if that happens. Yeah, with the aging talent pool that the Patriots have acquired, really, like, the only young younger guy that they really had was Gordon and now he's gone yeah and so the real solution that you have to be looking towards is the coaching and you know Belichick's playbook it's it's been great but you know all these ex-coaches you know with the Dolphins and with the Titans all these ex-coaches that were under Belichick's system they kind of know how you're playing like because when you are a dynasty for that long everyone's studying you everyone kind of knows how you play how you like the ball rushed or received and with those tendencies already out in the open, it really begs the question and makes you think, you know, how long can you really last in football when every single team is looking up towards you and you have to be producing day in and day out, but you're getting older, everybody knows how you play. Exactly. And furthermore, there's younger talent that they're, that teams are acquiring, but the Patriots won't be able to acquire them because they've been playing so damn good for the past few years. Exactly, exactly. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the ones who wear the crown, let's talk about another champion beside the Bay, in particular, the Golden State Warriors. Two-time defending champions. Right. Three-time, three championships in four years. But they've shown some signs of deterioration, I think. A little bit of struggling. Um, you know, they just lost recently in prime time to the Los Angeles Lakers mm-hmm. uh, with a hurt LeBron. They were blown out by a Koilis Raptors, and they lost in Portland just recently, right? Right. So what can you tell me about the Warriors' struggles so far? I think the Warriors' struggles are kind of boiling down to a couple things. The first thing is the fact about, you know, it's been said before over and over again, but I really do believe that Katie's impending free agency is affecting the team a little bit, because really what his moves are in the future really impacts the direction that this franchise goes, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you do sign KD, you're basically shooting yourself in the foot in terms of bench depth. You have a really, really good starting five. Probably, I mean, definitely the best in the league. Exactly. Because you're basically having four all-stars, you know, maybe four future Hall of Famers at this rate. But, you know, looking back at it, when those guys are on the bench and when you can't really stagger these players because of injuries, you're not really going to be having that much talent because you aren't able to sign it. I mean, the best that you're going to be having are aging veterans, maybe young guys that are picked late in the first round, maybe later in the second. But even then, when teams are getting a lot more deeper, like the Raptors or the Bucks, or, you know, maybe even the Clippers per se, you know, you can't really able to pick up the slack and really have a team that's 12 deep if you're committing so much of money and being really front heavy. And that's the first problem. The second problem with the Warriors is an extension of what I said before. There's not really much bench depth on this team. You know, you have guys like Quinn Cook, McKinney, um, Damian Lee that are like pretty good finds off the bench. They can contribute maybe 13 to 15 minutes every night. But they aren't the guys that you're able to really compete against against other second string players. Like, 
you have guys like maybe Bledsoe coming off the bench from time to time, or maybe even Marjanovic, like from the Clippers. How are you able to stop those guys when you pretty much have all undersized centers who aren't really able to defend the ball? Mm-hmm. And in particular, um, one of them, the tallest center of those, was Damian Jones, and he's gone for the season now due yep. to pectoral tear. And yeah. yeah, and now you have you only have Jordan Bell, you only have Kevon Looney, and you do have uh, Demarcus Cousins coming back. But that move is definitely really good in the short term. But in the long term, you don't really know how it's going to be panning out because a you don't know if Boogie's going to be coming back at nearly half of his potential. Exactly. Even if he did, that'd be really really good for the Warriors though. And second of all, the fact of the matter is. All these guys that are playing center for the Warriors are severely undersized. You know, small ball was a thing in the past because positionless basketball could be, you know, played with smaller people. But the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of big guys that can move just as fast. They're incredibly strong, incredibly laterally quick. You have guys like Giannis, you have AD, AD. you know, really, really big, strong guys who are able to move and, you know, play like guards pretty much. And the, and the overall trend that I'm pretty much seeing is that everyone is kind of caught up to the Warriors game hmm. of positionless basketball. That's interesting. And, you know, I think the way to really stop that is to pray that the Warriors aren't shooting as well. And they really haven't been lately compared to before. And also to pick up on defense, which a lot of finger teams really haven't emphasizing as much. Yeah, exactly. And I like how you brought up the positionless basketball and you know the two front runners right now for MVP seem to be Giannis and AD. Right. Two bigs who can dribble the ball, play, make their own plays and they can maybe even shoot outside but not really. Mm-hmm. But they've been really like destructive bigs. They're more flexible, they're more mobile. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to see Draymond Green at center for like 48 minutes a game. You probably don't want to see that because you know Draymond's undersized. You don't want to like tire him out and he has shown signs of just being able to like he's breaking down also right kind of like right now um another thing right now that i think is a problem with the warriors is that yeah you've talked about it before the lack of shooting right now you've seen you know you've got steph and you've got kevin durant and you've got clay thompson some of the greatest shooters of the generation probably Definitely. in fact like entire basketball one of like steph is probably the greatest shooter of all time to say it right now yeah Clay has the best fundamentals of a shooter i've ever seen Ever since, like, Ray Allen, I think. Right. So, you have these phenomenal, generational, Hall of Fame kind of shooters. But the thing is, only two of them are producing right now. Steph and KD. Clay's struggling. Mm-hmm. And it's just the nature of Clay's game. I've watched him for a very long time, and it's just the way he is. He's hot. He's cold. He's sometimes. incredibly streaky. I yeah. mean, he had 30 against Portland a few days ago. But yeah. even beyond that, you don't know whether or not that's going to be, like, consistent in the long run exactly. especially in the playoffs where it matters the most I think that's one of his biggest flaws too it's that he's not consistent he is very streaky and when he's hot he is blazing he can win you games all on his own just like game 6 against, against OKC yeah. yeah you know exactly what I'm talking about because that's yeah, that's that was his literally best. iconic that was his yeah that was his prime basically his <laughs> best kind of uh, shooting but the thing is he is incredibly streaky and right now he's one in one of a huge biggest cold spells of his career it feels like right and i want to talk about you've talked about katie's impending free agency let's talk about clay's impending free agency right mm-hmm. now right now it seems that well obviously clay is a free agent next year and he it seems like he wants to do something in order to raise his value mm-hmm. and let me just propose this even though i don't know the inner workings of clay's mind who really does actually <laughs> but basically 
let's say that Clay, he knows his weaknesses as a player. You know, right. people have some deficiencies that they've always talked about with him. He's not a great dribbler. He's not a great driver. He can <laughs> shoot the mid range as well. Um, he's not the best layups. He's adequate, I'd say, mm-hmm. but he's really known as a catch and shoot shooter. Right? right. He doesn't dribble a lot. But you've seen Clay dribble a lot more now this season, and you've seen him drive inside and try to like fade back and shoot a mid range shot. Yeah. And they've all been clankers, really. It's like mostly clankers, and you kind of see what are you doing, man? Like just go back to what you've been successful at. Just go and catch and shoot. Go and run around and try and like find a way to get open. But right, right. now he's just trying to draw the attention on himself. It feels, and he's trying to shoot it over a bunch of guys. And you know, it feels like he's just trying to up his value as a free agent and try to be more versatile, more dimensional, like just more multifaceted as a player, so he mm-hmm. can get that max contract. But the thing is, it's not helping him. It's actually hurting him. It's proving all the naysayers right. right right now, and it's not helping the Warriors right now. He's ta- he's taking away shots and he's taking away good shots. Steve Kerr preaches that you always there's always a better shot to find, and right now Clay is not finding the best shot for him. He's mm-hmm. actually actively like trying to find more difficult shots to prove that he can be that kind of player. Definitely, because we all know that Clay's bread and butter is that off ball movement. Yeah, with the cuts that he does with Steph, with that off ball gravity that he brings. Yeah. He's pretty much known as just being a catch-and-shoot guy, and that's essentially why he's become probably the second or third best shooter of all time, if you want to debate with Ray Allen. <laughs> but the thing with this season was that when Steph and Draymond were gone, Katie and Clay were basically the two guys that were called to bring upon most of the offense, yeah. because you know those are the two all-stars. And Katie can definitely create... He's a very good ISO player. In fact, the Warriors have been running more ISO with him than probably ever before, even probably more than that series against the Rockets, honestly, yeah. where he was kind of like shooting them off the game and then in the game back again. And he was getting you know, like he gives and then takes away, away, right? Yeah, exactly. He was getting a lot of criticism based off of it. And KD is going to be there as a constant. He can get you a bucket easily. Yeah. And with Clay, you were definitely correct in saying that he's been taking a lot more mid-range shots. He's been mm-hmm. trying to go to the basket more, yeah. trying to expand his offensive arsenal. But the thing is that he's already seven to eight years deep in the league. You know, he really hasn't developed those skills because he didn't really need to because Curry was already there. Curry just had to dip the ball and kick it to the corner and Clay would just hit that mid-range shot, not yeah. a mid-range shot only, but also a three-point shot. Yeah. And he'll get easy b- buckets like that. But when it comes to creating his own shot, Clay really hasn't been able to do that. I mean, it's good that he's trying, but as you were saying before, he's not just that, he's just not that, that type of player. And regarding his impending free agency, I know that his dad, Michael Thompson, said on the radio that Clay would not consider going anywhere beyond He's the like, Warriors. Yeah. But, you know, it's something to even consider because the fact of the matter is, um, with all these four contracts, you know, Steph is already locked into his max, Jim wants a super max, you know, with Clay and KD being impending free agents, you really don't know what they're trying to play for, what the motivation is. They've all said over and over again, pretty much in response to any sort of questions by the media regarding any um, free agency, free agency stuff, decisions, yeah. you know, any tension that they're just playing for a repeat because they want to focus on championship now. And that's a really good goal to have because honestly, that's the most important thing. But what about in the future? And this really goes and ties back to the main question about what is the Warriors' future after this year? Because it is all but likely that they win the championship barring any major injuries or yeah. major surges <laughs> by, let's say, the Raptors or the Celtics or even the Sixers. 
Or even the Lakers, honestly. It's cra- Okay, it's crazy to, just as a segue, that we we're talking about the Warriors struggles, and it feels like, you know, it feels inevitably bad right now. And you're talking about concerns about two major players, yeah. two major all-stars, but we still believe, you know, the Warriors are going to win the championship. It's just, it's a crazy time we're having right now in Warriors basketball. That right. we can struggle so immensely with our all-stars, but we're still favored to win. Yeah, and I think also the thing was that about that perspective, Kerr said it the last few years, head coach Steve Kerr, he said it the last few years have been kind of a dream run for him. Yeah. You know, he's been having a really good time because everything that the words have done has been magnified under the media. Mm-hmm. You know, if any other team would have the struggles that the Warriors were having, they'd be really happy to be in the position that the Warriors were in because they've developed such a good culture, such a good team. And they've had a history of having really good bench players and a good pedigree of that. Yeah. And so I think that really looks into the fact that the dynasty has shown some cracks and people will tend to overreact on them. Mm-hmm. But also on the flip side, you have a lot of new teams that are starting to come up again and really assert their dominance, like in the East, or maybe even younger teams like the Lakers, for example. Exactly. And when you juxtapose the Warriors kind of kind of cracking with their rise. It really makes you think, you know, what are the future for those type of teams? Exactly. And, you know, eventually the Warriors dynasty is going to fade eventually. You know, whether it's next year when if KD leaves or mm-hmm. it's in the coming years when the luxury tax for the Warriors ownership is eventually too much to overcome. Um, and it's just not worth it anymore. Um, you just have to appreciate what you have right now. And you mm-hmm. just have to see, you know, okay, we're in... An era where this may never happen again. You have four all-stars, maybe even five if Demarcus Cousins comes back. Right. You have the like the literal all-star team in the West being that will actually be insane <laughs> to watch. Yeah, it's just being hosted in like forty-two, like forty-one games every year in the Bay Area. It's just a wonder to behold right now. You just have to appreciate what you have, and right now it's just hard to see right now with the Warriors struggling. You know, you kind of expect, hey, this is supposed to be the golden age of Warriors basketball, and you're mm-hmm. looking to be like this right now. So it's, I think the struggles are definitely magnified right now, and I think a lot of them are going to go away come the playoffs because in the playoffs, you know, you have shorter benches and you have all stars trying to work as all stars and right. trying to do what they do best. You just put your biggest strengths against your biggest strengths and see who wins. Mm-hmm. And usually the Warriors' talent is going to win out. But the thing is, right now, we're just, we're just concerned at the moment right now with the right. Warriors basketball because they feel, it feels more consistent than it used to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just not what we come to expect when it comes to Steve, in the Steve Carey era. Yeah, and also the media isn't even overreacting as much as well because... It all feels kind of inevitable. We've exactly. seen the worst kind of sleepwalk of the season. Yeah. Like, especially last year, and completely dominating the playoffs. Exactly. So, it really makes you wonder and evaluates. And, like, the evaluation of all these teams is kind of premature for sure. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you've seen good regular season teams kind of fall apart in the playoffs. Yeah. Or not really underperform. Or, like, some lower seeds even overperform in the playoffs, too. Yeah. It, it really does not make an accurate indication whether or not the worst struggles can really impact them in the short term but it definitely paints a picture of what the long term may be for the Warriors because exactly. as they move to Chase Center as they leave behind Oakland and Usher in a new era in San Francisco mm-hmm. when you have all this attention on them at their peak and what them reaping the rewards of what they've been able to accomplish for the past five years we will have the team that's there to kind of back up what they've accomplished when you, if we, we have Draymond there, we have KD there, 
well, you have Claytor. We already know that Steph is going to be locked up for a max contract. Mm-hmm. But what will the younger players be like? You know, the youth movement has kind of failed, honestly, with the Warriors. With Pat McCall leaving just now to the Cavaliers, you know, you have guys like Damian Jones not really performing as well. You have Kevon Looney being an okay defender. Um, but you do have a lot of people that, you know, kind of don't really match up to what you expect from a championship team in the future. Mm-hmm. And that kind of can be a worry for the long term with the dynasty. Exactly. And when it comes to dynasties right now, you create dynasties because you have an initial core that you build around, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just a talent infusion. You need to continually replace talent with younger talent in order to be able to still compete right. and still be a dynasty and still win championships. It's the same for the Patriots. You know, They build around a core mm-hmm. of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Every other piece is interchangeable. They just keep swapping in old players, aging players, for new, younger guys. Right. You know, it wasn't always that Julian Edelman was the top wide receiver for the Patriots. It used to be Randy Moss. It used to be other guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Ty Law, remember him? Yeah. In 2000s, right? And then you replaced him with Malcolm Butler or uh, Darrell Revis. You have to keep trying to find new guys in order to create and sustain that dynasty. And the Warriors kind of did it when they won the championship in 2015. They lost the next year even though they really should have won, but they lost. But they infused talent in Kevin Durant. Yeah. And then they were still trying to infuse talent by drafting like Damian Jones and Kevon Looney, mm-hmm. Jacob Evans, Patrick McCaw, all these new guys, Jordan Bell, right? All these, you kind of have to keep sustaining talent with newer, younger talent. You can even look to the San Antonio Spurs in the definition of like NBA dynasty for a very long Inconsistency, time. Inconsistency, yeah. yeah. Like, they had, what, the Tim Duncan and the David Robinson era, mm-hmm. and then they switched immediately to the Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker and Tim Duncan era, the big three in San Antonio. Right. And then they went to the Twin Tower kind of defense in, like, well, the new Twin Towers, I could say, in Kawhi Leonard and Marcus Aldridge. Yeah. Basically, they were able to sustain success by finding continually new talented pieces. And basically, you need to be able to find that talent gap, like... You need to be able to continue to infuse young talent, even though you have the odds are stacked against you. You have a rising salary cap bill, and you have very bad draft picks. You still have to be able to find that talent in order to compete, and Definitely. in order to sustain that dynasty. Yeah, and the Warriors have been luckily able been able to do that. You know, getting Steph Curry, getting Clay Thompson eleventh, getting Draymond near the end of the first around the second. Those are all huge boons to what the Warriors have been able to accomplish. They've been able to find really some of the best pieces of all time in like later proportions of the draft. You'd expect these guys to be you know, top your overall picks, but the talent, uh, the scouting, everything about the team back then when they were looking for young players with promise and a lot of hunger and potential, they were able to hit home runs or really grand slams on all of these guys. And, you know, as the Warriors have been able to get more talent and really win championships. It's hard to really acquire that. You know, they've been trying to go all in on getting younger mobile big men. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that while those guys may have worked a couple of years ago, you're starting to see like unicorns, people that are bigger and are able to be just as mobile. Like, you know, Christoph Porzingis and uh, exactly what before say, AD. The unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, the evolution of the NBA is crazy now because small ball can be really played with bigger players and that's why I think that in the future the gap will definitely close sometime uh, I think that a really good team that really pro- shows or exemplifies this is the Bucks this season 
you know, Giannis is having an incredible season. He really hasn't been able to shoot well at all. But man, just the way he gets to the rim is able to really dominate every single person out of sheer physical will. He's a freak That's, of nature, yeah. He really is a freak of nature. I mean, the guy's body, the way he's able to like stride across the court in just a couple <laughs> of steps. Like, even Shaq called him a new Superman. Like that that's how insane this guy's talent is. Yeah. And you don't really need small ball when you have a guy that's basically a walking basket like that. And then you have guys like Anthony Davis. I mean, he's just an incredible individual player. I mean, the way that he's able to grab rebounds, be a two-way force, you know, pass the ball, play like a defensive player of the year every single year, and manage to really get like 30 plus points on a semi-consistent basis. I mean, these are guys that have asserted themselves as the future of the league. Yeah. So, really, right now, we're transitioning towards a mobile big man kind of era. It's yeah. Where you have these guys who can score and create, like, as you said, get rid of the small ball era. Basically, repel it because you're still playing small ball. You're not having that traditional center. You're kind of having that more than, like, right. traditional kind of center who is more flexible, who can move the ball a lot more, can dribble mm-hmm. and drive and stuff. But right now, let's... And that's the future of the NBA. And maybe the Warriors aren't able to get to that future because they don't have that kind of guy on their team. They had a unicorn, basically, in Kevin Durant right. and Steph Curry, but they're just not the kind of guys that the league is moving towards. Right. And maybe we see uh, AD in the uniform. That's how they're going to... In the Golden State uniform, that's how they're going to adapt. We'll see about that. I mean, they love stealing talent, right? They right. They're taking that. <laughs> <laughs> but one team that... the that AD has linked to really recently has been the Lakers. And I think the Lakers are a really interesting team to talk about right now is because the reason why they've been assembling a lot of younger talent and infusing it with veterans mm-hmm. is because um, GM Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka have both said that um, the way that they want to beat the Warriors is to not play the Warriors game because on their best days, they will definitely outshoot you out of the court. Exactly. The way they want to beat them is by having playmakers, guys that are long and physical. and even during the Warriors' championship seasons, we've seen them struggle most against teams that were very long and athletic. Ergo, let's say the OKC, where we've seen that against the Bucks, they've struggled against the Grizzlies too. Yeah. These are very like hard-nosed defensive teams that are very long in length and are able to like destroy from inside mm-hmm. because the way that the Warriors' system works is that you basically kind of uh, punt their uh, consistency inside the center position mm-hmm. just to focus more on outside shooting. Yeah. And so the war- the Warriors have not really been playing well against these type of bigger teams like the Lakers or the Bucks. And regarding the Lakers' complete blowout against the Warriors, we kind of saw like we kind of saw Rondo popping off. We saw LeBron doing very well because these are bigger playmakers who are very defensive and can outmatch you and guard you very well. And you know, we have Brandon Ingram who can be considered maybe a potential unicorn himself because the guy is nearly like 6'9", 6'10", but he's able to move the ball around very well, drive it and kick it out. He has a good outside shot. You know, you have guys like Kuzma who can pretty much do the same thing. He's kind of looked like a very good role player. Maybe even the second best player on the Lakers, honestly, besides LeBron, because he can really shoot the ball well. Hmm. And man, you have Lonzo Ball playing out there. And Jason playing really, really well. You know, almost getting their triple-double, moving around the ball really well. You know, he has kind of a shot now. Uh, you know, I think that the mentorship from Ron was really working out. Yeah. And so, I think a really good team to focus on in the future is probably Lakers, because, you know, when LeBron moved there, 
he kind of stuck it out for long haul and signed for four years, expecting that they'll either A, develop their talent, their, their younger talent to the point where they become all-stars because a lot of them do have the potential, or B, focus on acquiring a free agent, like get maybe Kawhi or AD per se. What do you think is the better option for them to do in the long run? Well, I think right now what LeBron's trying to do, and he's actively said this, I think he said in an interview with Rachel Nichols that mm-hmm. I'm trying to f- recruit free agents to Los Angeles. And yeah. it's a lot easier to do that than Cleveland because Cleveland is, and I'm putting it in my own words, a very <laughs> bad place to live. Right. Or it's just not the most ideal place to live. Compared right? to LA, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> like, Los Angeles is probably the premier destination for free agents, and they've always been a premier destination. Not just because ESPN's in Los Angeles, it's just because everything, it's California, man. It's just sun all day, right. every time, there's no snow, and you get to pr- play for the Lakers, a historic franchise, right? Great organization, most of the time, and mm-hmm. Magic Johnson's your GM, and LeBron is your uh, <laughs> is your best player. Right. And basically, you have this, like, there's this mystique in LA, right? Mm-hmm. There's this championship mystique, 16 championships, yeah. and all that stuff, right? And you want to play for kind of like that winning culture, um, dedicated fans. Mm-hmm. And basically, I think right now what LeBron's trying to do, and other than maybe actively tampering right now, he's <laughs> trying to recruit AD to the Lakers. And I think that, you know, AD also said, you know, I don't care about the money. I care about the rings. I care about winning. Yeah, the right? legacy. And I think AD may be close to leaving New Orleans. I would hate to see him leave New Orleans because, you know, I've seen him ever since... You know, he was drafted in 2011, which feels like an era ago. Right. He's been, like, he's been there for a very long time. And, you know, it would kind of suck to see, you know, a small kind of team in New Orleans mm-hmm. lose their biggest star, just like we've seen a couple times over, right? Yeah. In this new kind of era of super teams. Um, but I think that LeBron is trying to create an AD super team with him. Uh, yeah, with AD, Lonzo, Kuzma, um, maybe even Josh Hart and Brandon Ingram, right? Right. So it would be interesting to see. And I think, what, he would probably slot in right into the center position, right? Mm-hmm. And Luke Walton, yeah, he knows about small ball. He's <laughs> been with the Warriors. He was with the Warriors for two seasons. He led them to the record streak, too. Yeah, exactly. And he was able to create... He was part of that small ball creation. Mm-hmm. And AD as a small ball center, and he is the active counter right now in terms to battling small ball teams like the Warriors. Mm-hmm. That is probably, like, the best move for him, Right. He would love that mm-hmm. to just slot AD. Well, who cares? Like, I would slot any kind of all-star into the right. same musician, and I would be fine with it, right? But specifically AD, he could usher in a new era of winning basketball for them, a dynasty basketball, especially right. when you got LeBron. Even though he's not as good as he was before, right? He's mm-hmm. not in his prime, prime years, right? He's still playing but amazing yeah, this season. He's still playing phenomenal basketball still, and you got AD, and you still got, yeah... Maybe some generational kind of talents and like Ingram and maybe even Ball. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure if I can call him generational, but he's he's good right now. He's yeah, they good. definitely have a lot of great talent out there and yeah. a lot of good veteran presences over there that can really develop them yeah. and measure them to the next step forward. Mm-hmm. And as the Warriors kind of fall off in the future, because it's kind of hard to really say that, like, be that um, prominent or determined about what their future will be like, but it's kind of apparent to see that. Other teams might rise and maybe pick off where the Warriors kind of left off. Because we saw with the Rockets, they were playing better than the Warriors for the majority of the season. And even when the Warriors <coughs> kind of did um, you know, pull off at the end with that Game 7, <coughs> when Chris Paul did get injured with his hamstring, it's going to be inevitable that some teams may pick up where they left off. And so I definitely regard the Bucks 
or maybe the Raptors as being maybe contending for the future best spot in the NBA. What are kind of your picks for like, yeah. teams to look out for? Yeah, I'm going to go with some young superstars of my own, right? I'd say <laughs> that Kawhi, whoever ends up with Kawhi, Giannis, and AD, I think those three are like, right now, they're the new future. They're the new prime, right? Right. I think LeBron, Curry, and Durant, they're kind of aging out and they're phasing out. Not right now, but in like five years or so. And then you see Giannis, AD, and uh, Kawhi, they move into the forefront right now. And I think that, you know, I think that's just the way it is. Sometimes the dynasty will fall. Right now we're in the age of some amazing dynasties being created right now. Again, Patriots and the Warriors, no one in baseball. (laughs) Alabama in college football though, yeah, that's that's probably gonna last forever. But right now you see these dynasties and maybe we're at the, you know, twilight of them. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, we should appreciate them for what they are right now. But we're gonna start looking into the future. Right. basketball and football mm-hmm. and I think that's a great place to stop right now yeah I'm glad that you've been you all been watching we've had a great year of three podcasts but uh <laughs> but it's been fun and we want to continue this and we're gonna have a lot more content for you in 2019 right and we wish you all a happy new year and continue watching sports listening to our podcast and you know have a great time yeah peace guys thank you